Alright man, this is episode number 78 of the Cozy Corner of Cinema. This is being recorded on Monday, September 25th, 2023 at 4.12pm. I hope you all have had a very productive and very solid past week since the last episode. Hope you've been working on your dreams, on your goals, making sure you're doing exactly what you want to do, whether it's watching films or working on your art or working on whatever it is, man. Now, I'll tell you guys at the forefront right now that I'm fairly getting better, but I'm still pretty sick right now. I've been sick for the past uh, almost a week now, very sore throat. So, uh, you know, I've just in the past day or so been able to fully uh, talk again. And if you can hear it, I got kind of a sniffling uh, voice in a way. You know, I've been blowing my nose all day. So that's uh, just one thing on top of the other. And I intentionally had delayed this episode to the last second, which was today, because I thought that I'd feel better than I did yesterday, and I kind of do. So here we are, so I'm talking a little bit quieter, a little bit slower, that's what it is. So I just want to give a heads up on that, but didn't want to miss a week, haven't missed a week yet, and don't plan on anytime soon. So with all that out of the way, let us commence forward. So get this here. I'll talk about this book that I had finished reading a little while ago. Uh, I finished reading this probably about a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe two or three weeks ago, because uh, I've just finished another book in that time, and I've now started another one since. That's the thing with books, man, is that there's just books and films. There are just so, so many that you got to keep yourself, uh, keep yourself organized with what you want to watch, what you want to read, because there's just so much out there and you're never going to be able to get through it all. But if you prioritize your time and you kind of make an effort to really focus on what it is you want to spend your time on, then I think you'll get a decent amount done. I mean, one of the benefits in the past uh, week or so is that, you know, is unfortunately, really no writing has gotten done. I've had a total brain fog and I just, I've tried and it just, I'm sitting there and nothing's coming out, man. So I'm like, all right, nothing productive is going to get done. I'm not going to sit here staring at a screen. I'm going to use this time to get some films watched because I need to get some films watched uh, because, you know, time's running out on certain things. Got to keep up with uh, a couple different things. So this past week, I've been using the opportunity to watch many, many films. I think it's been a very, very productive week in that front. Um, but what I was saying before is that with this book, uh, I have this book here from writer Eric Danville. This was copyright, um, I think it was 2013. Pull it up here. Because uh, this is the second edition of this book. And uh, let's see. Always got to look at the first couple pages. Copyright 2013 by Eric Danville and Power Process Publishing, LLC. And this is his second edition, I believe, of the complete Linda Lovelace, a deeper than deep look at America's first porn queen. Now, I've talked about Deep Throat on the show before. I talked about it on its 50th anniversary, uh, the month that was back in June of last year. Uh, I talked about that in correlation with, um, or I'm sorry, what, did I say 50th? Actually, I can't be sure. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, it had to make sure it was 1972. I apologize. I was talking about it in conversation with The Godfather celebrating his 50th. And that film as well, I do apologize. I'm eating yawn. Like I said, I'm very sick right now, so I do apologize. I'm getting better, I should say. I'm not. I'm just a little bit stuffy. So, uh, But anyways, I was talking about the 50th anniversary of that. And uh, now this book, I would say... Um, it's, it's 
a really solid read overall. I mean, uh, when it comes to shallow kind of response, very generic, I can say that this is a very fantastic book that it took me a little bit of time to adjust to the format and the way that the uh, information is presented, but it's very interesting in the way that Eric Danville presents this information. What he does is that, you know, and there's a lot of images in this book as well. There's like QR codes. You can go online and you can, you know, go into a Dropbox and listen to interviews and look at pictures and stuff. And um, it's really interesting the way that he structures this because it's not it's it's um you know linda lovelace is somebody who's been talked about a lot has been written about a lot she's had her say in her past other people have said their perspective of her past it's you know we're at the point now where a lot of these people are dead so you know like you know so it's sort of like a lot of the information is probably going to be unresolved on what exactly happened on you know whose side was right i mean you look at like you know uh, you know linda, linda borman's gone Harry Reams is gone, Gerard Damiano's gone, uh, Chuck Trainer's gone, you know, uh, uh, a lot of them are gone, man. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of, uh, which another thing is that my, my memory, my uh, head right now is a little fuzzy, so some information, sorry, uh, some information might not be at the tip of my head, but uh, uh, Dolly, whatever her name is, uh, who was also in Deep Throat with her, I believe she's gone as well, Dolly, don't remember her last name, I'm not gonna look it up, but anyway, so. What this book does is that it looks at a couple different aspects when it comes to Linda. It looks at a general kind of history of her relationship with Chuck Trainer, the uh, loops, the 8mm loops they were doing early on in her career, and then um, her acting in Deep Throat, the major success that it got, uh, trying to ride off that success, you know, with some not-so-great work after that, the kind of downfall uh, you know, the, the, the idea of censorship and, you know, p uh, being prosecuted in America for, for art, um, and then sort of her fallout with, uh, the porn industry, a lot of the people involved with her, uh, you know, becoming a part of this feminist movement to kind of condemn porn and talk about how she's being abused, and then her fallout from the feminist movement and sort of the complicated relationship that she has, and that's what this book really does, is that it kind of shows that, you know, uh, Lovelace or Borman, I should say, is a very was a very complex person in terms that I, I you know you can draw your own conclusions to her overall to a lot of the information overall. I would also say a good companion piece to not only you know the, obviously the, the the film Deep Throat to the book would be um, an episode from the Rialto Report, which uh, features Eric Danville and Gerard Damiano's son whose name I do apologize. And this came out on around the same time that the Lovelace film came out with Amanda Seyfried, um, Peter Skarsgård, um, Hank Azaria, uh, uh, who was, uh, Chloe Sevigny, uh, Chris Noth, James Franco, Bobby Cannavale, um, do you remember who else was in it? Oh, uh, who played the mob? Patricia Arquette. This is all off memory. I don't remember who else was in the film. Oh, Robert Patrick is in the film. And it was sort of they were talking about... Now, I this book came out before... Or the second issue of this came out before the Lovelace film. Because what the book does... So the book had to have been published uh, probably right before the film came out. Because I think the film was 2013 that it got its wide release. Um, and that was a film that they talk about on the show. Because that was one of the things... With this book is that it brought up, uh, it brings, you know, it breaks down uh, Lovelace's different media that she was a part of. So it talks about her loops, her films, 
the music, like the soundtracks that got put out involved with Deep Throat, um, you know, the books that came out about Deep Throat or by Linda, you know, Lovelace, you know, the different ones that she did and stuff. And uh, they were on the show, they were fairly critical of the film for its historical inaccuracies because uh, with a story like this, there's always been a lot of back and forth between uh, differing kind of memories and for you know one of the biggest being that you know linda talks <clears throat> linda talks about how uh after shooting one night uh you know everybody in the other room was partying and having fun and chuck trainer her uh, manager and boyfriend at the time was very abusive towards her you know you can see in the film she got bruises on her and he was just beating the hell out of her and she was calling for somebody to come help her and no one did they turned down the music uh and they kind of just waited for it to be over so she talked about being a big point but then you know you have gerard damiano's kid who was on the set who was you know a young kid but he was still on the set at the time and he tells a different story that some that you know uh, I forgot exactly how he said it, but he said that people did come in. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of, you know, I, I, I can't really pick a side, obviously, because I wasn't there. So, I mean, it's a matter of, uh, you know, which seems most likely. And in a situation like that, I really don't know. Um, and I, all I can do is really uh, uh, ponder more so than speculate because there's nothing that I can really add to the conversation in that regard. Um, but I'm talking about the, the sexual difference in the story and something like that. Um, but the book itself, I mean, it goes through, uh, it's the first part of it is all about, you know, it goes through different news headlines from, uh, it'll say like either specific articles, you know, like, uh, May 14th, 1973, you know, screw the throat that swallowed the heart of America uh, you know, and it will go up to like July 1973 with different things there. Talk about different interviews with her, different, um, you know, magazine covers that she was doing. There's a lot of photos in this book. I think above all else, you know, the photos in this alone really make it kind of uh, worth it. There's a lot of stuff that I had never seen before. There's a lot of stuff that, um, you know, that in relation to, you know, some of the photo shoots she was doing at the time and, you know, of the, the, the dog loops, you know, those 8mm films, there's no photos of that in there. I mean, I think because uh, uh, Eric Danville had been friendly enough with uh, Linda before her death in 2002, I believe it was. And uh, the, you know, the dog loop that she did uh, was something that kind of haunted her, uh, you know, pretty much her whole life after that point. So I think it was, uh, it was in good conscience to not have any photos of those. I mean, those are fairly available should you seek those out but in the book at least there's they talk about two different loops there's dog one directed by uh, bob wolf also starring eric edwards and norman actually eric edwards just talked about a little while ago uh the movie blue summer a couple weeks ago and dog fucker aka dogorama directed by bob wolf also starring norman and they talk about, I mean, there's been some stories as well about the background of those loops as well. I mean, Linda says that she was forced into it. Other people said that she really enjoyed it. I mean, the loops themselves are, you know, I, I've only, I don't see, I don't remember if Dog One and Dog Fucker were the same ones or not. I'm trying to remember. I'm, I can't really skim it right now as I'm recording it. Um, but let's see here. Okay, so pull that up over here. I'm trying to skim through and see what some of this stuff says so I can read it because i mean when it comes to those loops there's been some different stories from linda from the people involved but uh let's see here it says dog one opens with edwards and linda fucking on a bed oh i should also say if you're you know this next bit's gonna be kind of uh 
uh, explicit. So if you don't want to hear any of this kind of stuff, just go ahead and skip ahead a little bit. It's a little explicit what I'm about to say. So, uh, dog one opens with Edwards. Yeah, there we go. Dog one opens with Edwards and Linda fucking on a bed. A short oral sex scene leads to a short anal scene, neither of which are too remarkable by either of their standards. Edward. Edwards pulls out of her butt, comes on her ass, gets dressed, and walks out the door. Linda, still unsatisfied, flips from the bird. Enter her next co-star, who thinks she looks just fetching. And then she says, or no, Edwards says, I did my scene with her, and that's when they brought Fido in. Edwards recalls of the shoot. I sat down off to the side, behind the camera, watching, and my jaw just dropped. That dog didn't need any coaching at all. He knew what to do. I don't remember if Chuck was even there during the shoot. I don't think he was. But I remember there was no coercion going on and certainly no gun. And when it was over, I was just like, wow. Trainer's comments and screw to the contrary. Dogfucker doesn't contain the same footage as Dog One shot from a different angle. It's a completely different film and shows only Linda and the dog. One widely distributed European print edits the two films together. So there you go. Um, but just a wealth of information in this book, man. And it's the it's not a very long book either. I mean, it's pretty, it's fairly thin. But there's just a, a lot of information to cram, uh, you know, jam packed into a lot of this to talk about the uh, court transcripts that you know when Linda went to go testify against pornography, and um, it's uh, what Eric is doing is he's taking a very uh, you know he's not really siding with either. Uh, the pornography business or uh, the feminists in this case. He kind of comes to the same resolution that I kind of got to myself that, you know, Linda herself has, you know, been through a lot. She was in an abusive relationship. She was, you know, probably maybe, you know, enjoying these films early on, but then kind of, you know, looking back on it, maybe has some regrets or, you know, what I kind of got from a lot of it is maybe, you know, believing some of these memories that maybe did happen or didn't happen. More so, like, didn't happen where, you know, where she believes that they did. Um, that maybe starts to distort things. Or maybe she sincerely believes some of what she's saying. Uh, maybe some stuff actually did happen. And, you know, it's, it's up to the reader to kind of draw a lot of their own conclusions from a lot of this. But either way, I mean, there's just so much here. There's, like, you know, just if you were trying to go through, you know, a lot of the information uh, connected to Deep Throat or, you know, uh, uh, to Linda Lovelace. This is pretty much the place to be, man. This book has just a wealth of knowledge. It talks about, you know, like this section here, you have like, you know, I never knew there was uh, novelizations of Deep Throat and Deep Throat Part 2. Uh, novelization of Linda Lovelace for President. Um, and then you have like required reading, which is just like, you know, stuff like the Deep Throat Papers, uh, getting into Deep Throat, um, Blue Money, Pornography and the Pornographers, uh, and then there's this other, like, of interest books, Here Comes Harry Reams, which I didn't even, and that book's been out of print for a while, but I didn't realize that on the Rialto Reports website, they actually are still selling copies, so if you're listening to this and you're interested in that, you can go ahead and get that. That's from 1975, it's only a couple years after uh, Deep Throat. Uh, Al Goldstein's um, biography, or autobiography, I believe, yeah, it's, it's, this book is called I, Goldstein, and it... Yeah, it says by Al Goldstein and Josh Allen Friedman. So that might not be right. I mean, when a lot of these, when it comes to like Al Goldstein's book or uh, Ordeal, you know, which was Linda's main book when it came to talking about her experiences in the industry and her negative experiences, that's the book that, you know, you read for kind of um, context sake with only a grain of salt being how much this is actually true or not. It's like Tracy Lord's book. It's, you know, you could read it 
for some context, probably into the industry at the time. But, you know, I think with Tracy Lords more so than Linda Lovelace, that a lot of that information has been widely um, disputed or has been widely challenged where if you listen to a lot of the people that she was involved with, almost everyone is not on her side in terms of kind of the idea that she, to them, that she lied about a lot of stuff, that she kind of threw a lot of people under the bus. And that's a whole other point right there. She wrote a book talking about her, you know, her time in the industry and how she was drugged and stuff. And everybody else is saying like, this is a complete fabrication. None of this is true. Um, I think I've mentioned on the show before. I don't know, but I would also recommend the, uh, mini series and mini podcast series, once upon a time in Venice, um, which was co written, I believe by Ashley from the Rialto report, which is the whole Tracy Lord saga. It starts off with looking at it from, uh, her perspective or from the uh, industry perspective, from her perspective, and then trying to find somewhere in the middle of fact and fiction. And I think this does, this book does that to a degree. This is more of a compendium of knowledge of involvements uh, with Linda, with Deep Throat, but this does have a really solid interview at the end with uh, Danfield and with Linda, where he points out, uh, you know, I should say Borman, actually, uh, you know, Linda Borman, but talks about, um, you know, he, he as an interviewer, he, he is quick to point out some of her hypocrisy, some of her contradictions, and but she's very steadfast, she's very firm in a lot of her beliefs. Um, let me see if I can find a passage here that maybe I can... Uh, so like, see, I'm going to read a little bit of passage right here just to get an idea. Cause it's a very interesting interview and I don't want to give all of it away. It's about, uh, it's like 10 or so pages, I think. And it's all small text too. So there is that, but I'll read a little bit of it here to get an idea of where her mindset is and, uh, where Danville is. Um, let's see here. So Danville, and this is in the middle of a conversation. So, uh, he's kind of pressing her about her opinion on, her opinions on pornography and, you know, anyways, I'll read some of it. But anyways, so I'll just say Danville Borman. So Danville says, you love sex. You're just not really into the commercial aspect of it. Borman, I think it's sad. I really do. Um, I think that if two people can't communicate and enjoy sex together, they shouldn't be together. To have to watch somebody else having sex to be stimulated, I think that shows you've got a problem. Or I think that shows you've got a problem. Danville, let's say there's a guy in a wheelchair, dot, 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 Borman. Oh no, I hear this all the time. What about the guy in the wheelchair? Danville. Or a guy so socially inept that his only sexual outlet is watching porn. Borman. Like I'm saying, they've got a problem. Danville. Can't that guy's problem be dealt with by watching porn in the privacy of his own home? Borman. I don't think so, because most of the porn that's out there, I'd say 70% of it is kitty porn, child porn. How can that stimulate anybody? Danville. Actually, it's not that high a percentage. And there's an asterisk. Is actually a little thing they hear that says they're both wrong and says that there's not a real, there's not an official stat on how much actual child porn is out there for different reasons. Uh, anyways, Borman, it's the biggest seller. Kitty porn is the biggest seller in magazines, photographs, dot, 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 Danville. That's not the kind of pornography I'm talking about, though. Borman, I don't watch pornographic movies, so I don't really know what's out there. From what I read... And from what I read and the research, I see. Ah, sorry. From what I read and the research, I see when we do lectures, most of it's very degrading to women. Somebody's always being degraded. It's not real passion. If they had a movie where there was real passion, I could see the guys in a wheelchair watching it, seeing it for what it really is—to show a woman wanting to be, get beat up, 
uh, and smacked around and pissed on and shit on. No, I don't think that's healthy for anybody, even if the person in a, even the person in a wheelchair. So it really depends on the content. Um, Danville, anti-porn activists always bring up piss videos and shit videos. We're not allowed to do them here, uh, which I don't know if that's actually true or not. Uh, Borman, uh, you still do them here. Don't give me that. Danville, not in the big mainstream commercial sense. Borman, it's all the stuff that's under the table. Danville, most of that stuff comes from Europe. Borman, then how come they get away with making kitty porn? Do you know the youngest victim is 13 months old? Danville, they don't get away with making kitty porn. The police and the FBI are always busting people for kitty porn, but we're not talking about kitty porn. Borman, and I'll finish this up in a second. Uh, you can go to any pornographic theater or store anywhere in the country, and if you wanted kitty porn, you could get it. Danville, no, you can't. Borman, I don't agree with that. Danville, when's the last time you were in a porn store? And he laughs. Borman, I haven't been, she laughs. Danville, kitty porn is an underground industry. Everyone's against kitty porn. Borman, that to me is what's happened because of Deep Throat. I feel that like Deep Throat gave pornography credibility and, and people were able to accept it. Husbands and wives went to see it together. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe back then they did have kitty porn. It just seems that if people are stimulated to a certain point, they eventually want something different. Maybe something more aggressive. Maybe something more abusive. Maybe something more bizarre. Then they make movies where women are getting beaten up and they make child pornography. And it goes on for much longer here. I didn't want to read all of it because this goes on for pages and pages. But it's a really fascinating conversation. And I do like Danville is very upfront with, um, you know, some of the uh, some of the contradictions, some of the hypocrisies, you know, because even there you talk about, you know, there, she's saying that, oh, the guy in the wheelchair has a problem. And he's saying, but what if this is like something else like that's, you know, good for him? And she says, well, if it's like a uh, like a like a, something like sensual, like, you know, I'm sure she's thinking like a soft core sort of thing, then yeah, that's one thing. So right there, um, but that, that whole conversation is just fantastic. You know, it's, it's really, uh, really, and you know, and no one's blaming Linda or like that. I mean, like I said before, it's one of these cases where she's had such a tricky past and I'm sure there's probably a lot that she feels very uncomfortable about. It doesn't want to talk about. I mean, you know, uh, in the interview on the show, Dan, uh, you know, uh, Ashley, Ashley West, who hosted and asks Danville, is there anything that she didn't like about the book? And he said that she uh, was very emotional about the stuff with, you know, talking about the stuff with the dog loops. And his point was that, you know, if I need to get a whole, if I need to get an entire background, I really, I have to include everything, you know, it's, I can't leave certain things out like that, unfortunately. And uh, so I recommend listening to that episode. I recommend this book as well. I ordered it off Amazon. This is a self-published book. And, um, you know, he says that there's a couple typos in here in his previous edition, but there's only a few here, man. I mean, it's sort of like, it's not too bad uh, in terms of typos. I've read some real, I've read a couple books where it's just like, you know, uh, I constantly have to stop myself. Like, I don't, like this is, this is truly, there was one book that I read where I'm like, man, no one reread this, man. This is, there are typos on e almost every other line. This is ridiculous. Um, there's no way you could have missed some of those. But uh, fantastic book. Really solid. If you're a fan of, uh, if you're interested in Linda Lovelace, if you're interested in Deep Throat, I mean, if you're interested in, you know, porno chic, specifically from Deep Throat and Linda Lovelace, because it doesn't really talk about, you know, the evolution of porn after the fact. It talks a little bit about Marilyn Chambers and how after the falling out with Chuck and Linda, how Chuck went on to manage and date, um, Marilyn Chambers, who would do Beyond the Green Door, which is a which was a huge success. It was a big film, uh, big staple of the time. And uh, you know, I think Marilyn. Cham Funny enough, with Marilyn Chambers, I always knew her first before I knew her as an adult actor because 
as everybody has probably seen, which is David Cronenberg's Rabid. And I was like, wow, she's such a unique beauty in this film. I was like, who is this actor? And then you look her up, and I was like, okay, Beyond the Green Door, and she has a bunch of other films and stuff. I mean, she's just a natural beauty, man. And she's uh, she's solid in Rabbit. I think she actually does a very good job, and I think that's in part of David Cronenberg being, being very good with directing actors and getting very good performances out of them. I think he's just exceptional at next, you know, we, we kind of see that now a little bit. You have some porn actors uh, who either stay in the industry and do, uh, you know, commercial films or leave and do commercial films. You have like Sasha Gray, who was in um, The Girlfriend Experience by Steven Soderbergh, which I want to rewatch. I, I saw it once when it came out. I don't, remember, I don't remember much about it. I remember not being crazy about it, but this is also when it came out. So what, 2012? Uh, you have um, uh, James Dean, who was in The Canyons by Paul Schrader. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's a different time now. And I think that, you know, I would say that if Linda was still do or, you, you know, you have like um, like I, I think it's Amberlin or Gingerlin. Uh, one of them was in like uh, some of the Rob Zombie stuff. And you have Tracy Lords and the John Waters stuff. I mean, it's just uh, it's a different time now. But also because it's a different time, you know, a lot of these films you know, you, there's there, that whole era is gone. There is no going to the cinema to see these adult films now. You know, Deep Throat is now uh, considerably tame in a sea of, you know, all these other kind of adult films that we have now and just any extreme that you want, and no matter, you know, uh, any legal extreme, I should say. Well, I mean, I guess any any extreme you want, you know, is only a couple of uh, fingertips away, you know. People find whatever they want to find, you know, either on the surface web or on the deep web or anything like that. It's, it's wild as hell, man, you know, but it's just a different era, you know. Um, the sound recorder app that I use on my computer, it, I think it gives me the different times, man, because there's been a couple times where I thought I was running out of time and um, when I went to upload it, it was shorter than I thought. I'm looking at it now. At the time I am recording this, it's 27 minutes and 10, 11 12 seconds so i'll listen back to this and i will see if that actually adds up but i'm going to end this just a wee bit early a couple minutes early if the time is correct because it is i need to get something to eat get something to drink for my throat get this cold out of the way i got so much to do this week it's not even funny but we're going to get it done one thing at a time there's so much to get done and it can seem overwhelming at first and if you're you know, not just in your creative endeavors, but if you're at work or you're ever and you're like, oh my God, I got to get X, you know, X, Y, and Z done. And I haven't even started on A, B, and C. It's like, brother, you just take it one thing at a time. You just work on X, work on Y, then work on Z and it'll all get done. But all right, man, I'm going to get out of here. So uh, you guys take care and I will return next week.